the Financial Sense Lifetime Planning Program. Now, here's the Financial Sense News Team. Welcome, everybody, on today's episode of Lifetime Planning. We have a lot of clients who ask us this question all the time, you know, whether or not they think that Social Security is going to be around, hear different news stories about it. But bottom line is they're worried that Social Security isn't going to be there when they want to take it or it's going to be reduced in the future. You know, what's the best time for them to be able to take it? Do they take it early? Do they take it late? Do they wait? And so, you know, when you wind up thinking about Social Security, it's this federal program provides retirement, disability, survivor benefits to millions of Americans. And it's important for many of their retirement plans. A lot of people really like hinge their whole retirement plan on how they wind up taking Social Security. So it's really important to understand what's going on and how they can actually prepare for that. So Crystal, thanks for being the expert on this topic. How can people understand what's going on with Social Security? What's happening with Social Security? Yes. So I think it's one of especially retirees' biggest fears is when to take it and what's going on because they hear that alarming the trust fund is running out in 2033. Everyone's like, there's not going to be any more social security. Don't even count it in my plan. But that's not all necessarily true, right? So if Congress doesn't take action or do anything to try to shore up the fund, What really that means is most likely Social Security benefits will be cut anywhere from 23 to 25 percent starting in 2033. So what you really want to take into account is that's if they do nothing. But there's so many bills in the mix as of right now to try to fix that from happening, to fix that cut, because no one wants to see a cut in that Social Security benefit. But there's a couple reasons for the shortfall. So one, we have, you know, the population is aging and more and more people are retiring and receiving those benefits, but fewer people are actually in the workforce. So it's causing this problem where, you know, there's not this abundance of money going into this trust fund because more and more people are retiring and less and less people are in the workforce. And not just that, there's also life expectancy has increased over time. So you take that into account, social security just is an ongoing thing until you pass away. So it really has eaten into the system and that's why they're trying to figure out what can we do to shore up social security and make sure that it's lasting for more years to come past 2033. So again, just know if they do nothing, most likely social security benefits are going to be cut 23 to 25% because there's still those people working, paying into social security. So you'll still receive those benefits, but everyone's hesitant to really pull the trigger as to how to fix social security. And we'll go into that in a little bit. Right. Because I guess if you wind up thinking about it, some of the biggest voting population is those people who are either taking Social Security or right about to take Social Security. So it might not be something that they want to mess with too much. So I guess what is Congress actually doing at this point in time to address that shortfall that's coming to Social Security? Like what, what are what are the options that are on the table? Yeah. So I feel like there's not as much of an urgency because a lot of this stuff is happening in 2033. And a lot of the bills that are being proposed on the table, all talking about basically increasing taxes for individuals. And nobody that's wanting to be elected is going to want to pull the trigger to raise taxes for individuals. It's just not something that people go for. But a couple of the bills that are currently 
you know, that I've seen that are pretty popular and have made headway. One of them being the Social Security Expansion Act. What they're looking to do is increase payroll taxes and have all income above $250,000 a year be taxed for Social Security. So right now it's applied to, you know, the wage base. So up to $160,000. But now they're looking at basically those payroll taxes coming into play again after that $250,000 threshold. They're also looking at increasing the net investment income tax by 12.4%. So right now it's currently sitting at 3.8. So that would increase that net investment income tax to 16.2%. Now that tax is only going to apply if individuals are making over 400,000 in income or for couples if they're making over 500,000 in income or MAGI. So it is important to know depending on your income levels, how you're gonna be taxed, if you're gonna be taxed more, but they are looking at increasing taxes for individuals, which isn't something that people are just gung-ho for a lot of the times when it comes to bills, but there's a fair amount of benefits. So it increases um, Social Security's participants' benefits by roughly $210 per month, or if you take it for a year, $2,520 for the year. So it's actually, you know, instead of you losing benefits, you're actually going to be gaining benefits. They're actually going to start using Mm -hmm. a, if this bill goes into fruition or comes into fruition, they'll actually use a better cost of living adjustment. Right now they use, you know, the CPIW index. They would actually switch to the CPI index for the elderly, which actually is a little bit higher when it comes to indexing because health insurance is just skyrocketing and they know that it's an issue for the elderly. So it actually accounts for that. So the COLA would be a lot larger and there's a lot of other benefits, but um, another one being that they would continue children's benefits through age 22 instead of 18 if they're still in school or still a dependent. Mm -hmm. So a lot of good things that would come out of that because the taxation would be there and the funds would be there to shore it up. And Crystal, to be specific, I just looked that up. So the uh, the wage threshold in 23 is 160,200. And then in 24, that grows to 168,600. So that's a big, a big difference when we're talking about, you know, the 168,000 and then payroll taxes being applied above 250. So I guess there is that would be that like donut hole that they talk about, right? Yeah, a little bit of a donut hole. And then yeah, a bunch of income being taxed on people who are, you know, making a lot of money, they'll be actually contributing a lot more than, you know, just like the average American, whatever they make. There's also another bill that I've seen that's been pretty popular. It's called Social Security 2100. It's almost looking at doing the same thing, except for the Social Security, they would increase Social Security payroll taxes and the net investment income tax for taxpayers earning over 400,000. Benefits are pretty similar, so they would be actually increasing all of Social Security beneficiaries' benefits by 2% across the board. They'd be using that same cost of living adjustment for the elderly, so the CPIE. It actually improves benefits for widows and widowers from two-income households because, you know, when you have a couple that is dual, you know, they both are bringing in Social Security, 
Well, when one passes away, they lose one of the incomes generated from Social Security. You get the higher of the two. Mm-hmm. So they're actually looking at improving those benefits for widowers, which is would be huge. They're also restoring benefits instead of the other act. They're looking at increasing uh, students' benefits up to age 26 if they're de- a dependent, and then looking to repeal the windfall elimination provision and government pension offset for individuals you know, who have contributed to Social Security, but they receive a pension. So a lot of the times, because they're receiving that pension, Social Security is diminished for them. So they would actually look at repealing that completely. So a lot of good benefits, but obviously it comes with increases in taxes, which people are chomping at the bits for. <laughs> <laughs> Not super excited about that. But I guess, I mean, when you wind up looking at it, there are only so many options to shoring up this fund, right? So what you wind up needing to extend the age that you can wind up taking it, you need Mm -hmm. more money coming in, or you wind up reducing benefits. And I think the reducing benefits is probably the last of the three things that they're probably looking to do. Exactly. Because a lot of people depend on social security as helping them in income throughout retirement. We always want to make sure we don't count solely on social security, but it is definitely a help. And one of the only annuities that most retirees hold. Right. Okay. So if we're going to have some of these bills go through, what, how does that actually affect the average person out there? Yeah. So if you're working, obviously, you know, your payroll taxes are going to increase. Nothing you can get around it if they do look at one of the first two options, right? If you have investment income, it could potentially be subject to that increased net investment income tax. So you want to be cognizant to make sure that any of your investment income is below those thresholds or your income is. Otherwise, you're just going to be hit with it. Not a bad problem to have if you're making that much money, but it's obviously something that you want to be aware about because you're definitely going to be hit with that tax. If you're in retirement, if you hit that net investment income tax, then you could be subject to that additional tax itself. But you know, maybe you'll reap the benefits uh, if you're collecting social security. So it may be you know a give and take kind of situation. What if they don't actually go through? Because I guess what we're saying is like, these aren't things that have gone through yet. These are proposed bills, right? Mm -hmm. So if they don't go through, uh, what then? Yeah. So if the bills don't go through, just prepare yourself for, you know, 2033. Um, Make sure that, you know, whatever your projected social security benefit is, just decrease that estimate by 23%. Plan properly. Make sure that you're not counting on that income. Save a little bit more. Work a little bit longer if need be. That sort of thing. Just to make sure that you know your financial plan is fully accounting for the fact that 77% of your benefits will be there, but 23% won't. But like you said, there's a lot of time on hand. So we're talking about 10 years from now that that winds up happening. So there could be a lot of changes to Social Security between now and then and how we wind up calculating that or taxes or how it's it's funded. So Exactly. So what can I do now to improve my situation if any of these acts pass? Most likely, and from all the research that I've looked at, reform is very unlikely before the next presidential election. President Biden's made it very clear that he is not going to change anything when it comes to Social Security right now or Medicare. This means that we have for sure 2023 and 2024 to improve our financial plans before the act goes into place. So again, like I said, it's important to remember we don't want to rely solely on Social Security income, but we like to know it's there. So if the act does pass, there's a couple ways that people can really improve their plans 
and just prepare themselves for this increase in taxes. So one of the ways that I think is just best in general, especially for people who maybe are in retirement, not making as much income anymore, but they're worried about that net investment income tax hitting them. Maybe they're collecting a lot of dividends and they have they're over that $500,000 Maggie threshold. One of the things that you could do now this year and in 2024 while tax brackets are lower is do some Roth conversions because if the act comes into existence, there's no net investment income tax that uh, is taxed on retirement accounts. So any distributions from your Roth are income tax free in the future. So it's something to really look into really moving your money over into Roth. All those Roth distributions, like I said, for Social Security benefits in the future for you, any distributions from a Roth are not taxable for Social Security. They don't come into play when it comes into your taxable income for Social Security. So really big factors to look into if you're in retirement or going into it. Just look at, you know, converting up to the 24 or 28, whatever the case may be. That's definitely something to look into. Certainly with Roth conversions, I mean, like getting money into that tax-free bucket is certainly going to be able to help you out and have a lot more flexibility regardless of where taxes wind up going in the future. I think most people don't think that taxes are going to be going down necessarily. So having some money, having that tax diversification for some flexibility in the future could make sense. Absolutely. And then another thing for, you know, if you're still working, building up that Roth bucket is going to be really important for the same reasons as, you know, Roth income is not taxable as ordinary income, and it won't affect the taxation for your social security. So if you can contribute to your Roth 401k or your Roth IRA, if it makes sense, do that. And what do you mean by if it makes sense? If it makes sense, yes. So you want to make sure that you know, you're know you in that 24% tax bracket. If you're not and you're way over, then yeah, take the tax deduction. You know, You might as well. And then later on, you can always do some Roth conversions once you're in a lower tax bracket. Right. So it is kind of playing with that. Do I think, am I, am I in a lower tax bracket today than I am going to be in the future? Or am I in a higher tax bracket today? And then once I retire, I'm going to be in a lower tax bracket. So it's kind of playing that game back and forth. Exactly. And then just one of the biggest things that I would recommend is just work with an advisor or a financial planner to determine you know, the best time to take social security benefits you know, take a, they'll look at your tax deferred bucket, like your IRAs, your 401ks, they'll look at your taxable accounts, if you're going to potentially have that NIIT tax hit, and your tax free bucket, look at what your income needs are, and where to pull funds from first to try to avoid as much taxation as possible. And then where you actually land as far as what your tax brackets are, and what they're projected to be in the future, and just come up with a good game plan as to try to avoid as much in taxes as possible. Okay, well, this is this is all good information, I think. You know, so how how might you be able to summarize this? I mean, it, there's a lot that could happen between now and 2033 when potentially there could be a, a shortage of funds. And I guess when you wind up looking at how these changes could take place, like we said, either you push the age out, you wind up bringing in more money, and the only way you bring in more money is from some sort of increase in taxes or you reduce the benefits. And the reduction of benefits is probably the last thing that they want to do. Exactly. No one wants to see that. (laughs) So, I mean, as you mentioned here, I mean, really it winds up coming down on the things that you can focus on and in control is how much money it is that you're saving and your preparation for the future with your tax diversification. Exactly. We have a good amount of time to prepare for it. So just make sure that 
you're looking into the future. You are working with advisors just to make sure you're ready for wherever that pendulum swings. Yeah, it's a a lot of changes demographically speaking. You know how you know the amount of people that were putting in initially when this was first in, uh, uh, implemented, and it was supposed to be the the longevity insurance, I guess that the government wanted to put putting in place. Whereas a lot of people wind up depending on that now as you know one of their sole places where they wind up taking their income in retirement. So lots of changes taking place. Thank you, Crystal, for all the information. And of course, if anyone needs to get a hold of you for any sort of additional information, how can they go ahead and do that? Yes. So they can call the office. The number here is 858-487-3939. And you can ask to speak with me directly, or you can send me an email at crystal.colbert at financialsense.com. And Aaron, if they wanted to get a hold of you, how would they get a hold of you? Sure. It's the same same phone number here at the office. It's 858-487-3939. And you can always email me at aaron.wiegman at financialsense.com. Thanks very much for joining us here today and looking forward to seeing you next time. The Financial Sense News Hour is for informational and educational purposes only and should not be considered as a solicitation or offer to purchase or sell any securities. The investments, investment strategies, and investment philosophies discussed or presented on the News Hour each involve their own unique risk factors, which are not discussed on the show. Responses to listener inquiries are based on the personal opinions of the Financial Sense staff and do not take into account listener suitability, objectives, or risk tolerance. Financial Sense News Hour and its parent company shall not be liable for any. Any financial losses that result from investing in any companies mentioned in Financial Sense or arising out of the use of any material on the news hour. Please be advised that you invest at your own risk.